Today is the 18th of July, 2019. Welcome to Walking the Way. My name is Ray. I want to say thank you to everyone for listening in as we continue to read scripture together and pray together and explore what it means to have a regular rhythm of worship. If you're joining us for the very first time, let me say thank you and welcome. And let me explain that each episode follows a really simple pattern of prayer, scripture and music. But having explained how it all works... Let's start today's leg of walking the way with our opening prayer. So let's pray, shall we? Holy Lord, mighty God of heaven, the God that answers prayer, where two or three are gathered in your name, you said you're present there. And so today we welcome you into your presence, Lord. We pray that you show your glory and your power today. We want you to shine your light in us and through us that we may illuminate others for you. As we stay in your presence today to worship, reveal to us the knowledge of divine mysteries that will transform our lives forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have our first piece of music just to give us some time to center our thoughts on God. And then we're going to get into our Bible readings for today. And in today's reading, we read about how Absalom overthrows David. And Paul writes to Titus about Christian living. We'll see you on the other side.
Let's ask God to speak to us through the scriptures this morning. Father, we know that we shall not live by bread alone, but from every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So today, Lord, feed us on your word. Make us hungry for the living manna that came down from heaven, the heavenly bread of life, the true and living water. Our Lord Jesus, who alone can bring us into our eternal inheritance. For it is through and on behalf of Jesus our Lord that we pray. Amen. Our Bible readings this week are taken from the God's Word edition, and we begin today with 2 Samuel 15. Soon after this, Absalom acquired a chariot, horses, and fifty men to run ahead of him. Absalom used to get up early and stand by the road leading to the city gate. When anyone had a case to be tried by King David, Absalom would ask, Which city are you from? After the person had told him which tribe in Israel he was from, Absalom would say, Your case is good and proper, but the king hasn't appointed anyone to hear it. He would add, I wish someone would make me a judge in the land. Then anyone who had a case to be tried could come to me and I could make sure that he got justice. When anyone approached him and bowed down, Absalom would reach out, take hold of him and kiss him. This is what he did for all the Israelites who came to the king to have him try their case. So Absalom stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Four years later, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and keep the vow I made to the Lord. I made a vow while I was living at Geshur and Aram. I said, If the Lord will bring me back to Jerusalem, I will serve the Lord. Go in peace, the king told him. So he went to Hebron. But Absalom sent his loyal supporters to all the tribes of Israel and said, When you hear the sound of the ram's horns, say Absalom has become king of Hebron. Two hundred men invited from Jerusalem went with Absalom. They went innocently knowing nothing about Absalom's plans. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Athaphel, David's advisor, to come from his home in Gilo. Meanwhile, the conspiracy grew stronger and the number of people siding with Absalom kept getting larger. Someone came to tell David, the hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. David told all his men who were with him in Jerusalem, let's flee immediately, or none of us will escape from Absalom. Let's leave right away, or he'll catch up to us and bring disaster on us when he massacres the city. The king's servants told him, no matter what happens, we are your majesty's servants. The king left on foot, and his whole household followed him except ten concubines, whom the king left behind to take care of the palace. As the king and his troops were leaving the city on foot, they stopped at the last house. All his mercenaries passed by him, all the Cherethites, all the Pelethites, Ittai, and all six hundred men who'd followed him from Gath were marching past the king. The king asked Ittai from Gath, Why should you go with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came to us just yesterday. Should I make you wander around with me when I don't even know where I'm going? Go back and take your countrymen with you. May the Lord always show you kindness. But Ittai answered the king, I solemnly swear as the Lord and king live. Wherever you are, whether you're dead or alive, I'll be there. So David told Ittai, go ahead and keep marching. So Ittai from Gath marched on with all his men and all the families who were with him. 
The whole country was crying loudly as all the troops were passing by. The king was crossing the Kidron Valley, and all the people were moving down the road towards the desert. Zadok and all the Levites with him were carrying the Ark of God's promise. They set down the Ark of God beside Abiathar until all the troops had withdrawn from the city. Then the king told Zadok, Take God's Ark back to the city. If the Lord looks favorably on me, he will allow me to come back and see both it and its dwelling place again. But if he says, I am not pleased with you, let him do to me what he considers right. Aren't you a seer? the king asked Zadok the priest. Go back to the city peacefully, and take your sons Ahimaz and Abiathar's son Jonathan with you. I'll wait at the river crossings in the desert until I receive a message from you. So Zadok and Abiathar took the Ark of Covenant back to Jerusalem and stayed there. David cried as he went up the Mount of Olives. He covered his head and walked barefoot, and all of the troops with him covered their head and cried as they went. Then David was told, Ahithophel is among those conspiring with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, make Ahithophel's advice foolish. When David came to the top of the Mount of Olives, where people worshipped God, Hushai from Archi's family was there to meet him. His clothes were torn and he had dirt on his head. David told him, If you go with me, you will only be a burden to me. But if you go back to the city and say to Absalom, Your Majesty, I'll be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, and now I'll be your servant. Then you'll help me by undoing Ahithophel's advice. The priest, Zadok, and Abiathar will be with you there. When you hear anything from the royal palace, tell it to the priest, Zadok, and Abiathar. They have two sons with them. Zadok has Ahimaaz, and Abiathar has Jonathan. Send them to report to me anything you hear. So Hushai, David's friend, went to the city as Absalom was entering Jerusalem. Meanwhile, David had gone over the top of the Mount of Olives. Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant, met him with a pair of saddled donkeys. They were loaded with two hundred loaves of bread, a hundred bunches of raisins, a hundred pieces of ripened fruit, and a full wineskin. Why did you bring these, David asked Ziba. The donkeys are for the king's family to ride on, Ziba answered. The bread and the ripe fruit are for your servants to eat. The wine is for those who become th- tired and thirsty in the desert. Where is your master Saul's grandson? the king asked. He's staying in Jerusalem, Ziba answered the king. He said, Today the house of Israel will give me back my grandfather's kingdom. The king told Ziba, In that case, everything that belonged to Mephibosheth now belongs to you. I sincerely thank you, said Ziba. I hope to remain in your good graces, your majesty. When David came to Bahurim, a man who was a distant cousin of Saul came out cursing. His name was Shimei, son of Jerah. He threw stones at David and David's servants, although the people and all the warriors were shielding David. Shimei cursed and said, Get out! Get out, you bloodthirsty man! You worthless person! The Lord is paying you back for all the blood that you spilt in the family of Saul, whom you succeeded as king. The Lord is giving the kingship to your son Absalom. Now you're in trouble because you're a bloodthirsty man. Abishai Zariah's son asked the king, Why should this dead dog curse you, your majesty? Let me go over there and tear off his head. But the king said, 
You don't think like me at all, sons of Zariah. Let him curse. If the Lord has told him curse David, should anyone ask, Why do you do that? David told Abishai and all his servants, My own son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. Why then shouldn't this Benjamite do this? Leave him alone. Let him curse, since the Lord has told him to do it. Maybe the Lord will see my misery and turn his curse into a blessing for me today. As David and his men went along the road, Shimei was walking along the hillside parallel to him. Shimei cursed, hurled stones, and threw dirt at David. The king and all the people with him finally arrived at their destination and rested there. Meanwhile, Absalom and all Israel's troops came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with him. When David's friend Hushai from Archi's family came to Absalom, he said, Long live the king, long live the king. Is that how loyal you are to your friend Absalom, asked Hushai? Why didn't you go with him? Hushai answered Absalom, No, I want to be with the one whom the Lord, these people, and all Israel have chosen. I will be his friend and stay with him. Besides, whom should I serve? Shouldn't it be his son? As I served your father, so I'll serve you. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, What's your advice? What should we do? Ahithophel told Absalom, Sleep with your father's concubines whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear of how you made your father despise you. Everyone who is with you will support you even more. So a tent was put up on the roof for Absalom, and he slept with his father's concubines in plain sight of Israel. In those days both David and Absalom thought that Ahithophel's advice was like getting an answer from God. Ahithophel said to Absalom, Let me choose twelve thousand men and leave tonight to go after David. I'll attack him while he's tired and weak, and I'll cause him to panic. All the people with him will flee, but I'll kill only him. I'll return all the people to you as a bride is returned to her husband, since you'll be seeking the life of only one man. All the people will have peace. Absalom and all the leaders of Israel approved this plan. Absalom said, Please call Hushai who is descended from Archi's family, and let us hear what he too has to say. When Hushai arrived, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has told us his plan. Should we do what he says? If not, tell us. This time, Ahithophel's advice is no good, Hushai said to Absalom. You know your father and his men. They are warriors as fierce as a wild bear whose cubs have been stolen. Your father is an experienced soldier. He will not camp with the troops tonight. He has already hidden in one of the ravines or some other place. If some of our soldiers are killed in the initial attack, others will definitely hear about it and say, the troops that support Absalom have been defeated. Even the bravest man with a heart like a lion will lose his courage, because all Israel know that your father is a warrior, and the men with him are brave. So my advice is to gather all Israel's troops from Dan to Beersheba, since they are as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Lead them into battle yourself. Then we'll attack him wherever we find him. We'll fall on him as dew falls on the ground. Neither he nor any of his men will be left alive. If he retreats into a city, all Israel will bring ropes to that city and drag it into the valley so that not even pebble will be found there. Absalom and all the people of Israel said, The advice of Hushai from Archie's family is better than Ahithophel's advice. The Lord had commanded Ahithophel's good advice to be defeated in order to ruin Absalom.
Then Hushai told the priests Zadok and Abiathar. Ahithophel advised Absalom and the leaders of Israel to do one thing, but I advised them to do something else. Now send messengers quickly to tell David, Don't rest tonight in the river crossings in the desert, but make sure you cross the river or your majesty and all the troops with him will be wiped out. Jonathan and Ahimaaz were waiting at Enrogel. They could not risk being seen coming into the city, so a servant girl was to go and tell them, and they were to go and tell King David. But a young man saw Jonathan and Ahimaaz and told Absalom. So both of them left quickly and came to the home of a man in Bahurim who had a cistern in his courtyard, and they went down into it. The man's wife took a cover and spread it over the top of the cistern and scattered some grain over it so that no one can tell that it was there. Absalom's servants came to the woman at her home. Where are Ahimaaz and Jonathan, they asked. The woman said they crossed the stream. The servants looked for them but did not find them. So Absalom's servants returned to Jerusalem. After Absalom's servants left, both men came out of the cistern and went and told King David. Leave right away, they told David. Cross the river quickly, because this is what Ahithophel has advised against you. David and all the troops with him left to cross the Jordan River. When the dawn came, everybody had crossed the Jordan River. When Ahithophel saw that his advice hadn't been followed, he saddled his donkey, left, and went home to his own city. He gave instructions to his family. Then he hanged himself, died, and was buried in his father's tomb. David had already come to Mahanaim by the time Absalom and all the men of Israel with him crossed the Jordan River. Absalom appointed Amasa to take Job's place as commander of the army. Amasa was the son of a man named Ithra, a descendant of Ishmael. His mother was Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, and the sister of Joab's mother Zariah. The Israelites and Absalom camped in the region of Gilead. When David came to Mahanaim, Shobi son of Nahash from Rabbah and Ammon, and Makkah son of Amiel from Lo-Dabar, and Barzillai from Rogalim and Gilead bought supplies and food for David and his troops, bedding, bowls, pots, wheat, barley, flour, roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, buttermilk, sheep and calves. They bought these things because they thought, the troops in the desert are hungry, exhausted and thirsty. 1 Chronicles 26 The following were the divisions of the gatekeepers. For Korah's descendants there was Mashalamiah, the son of Korah, from the descendants of Asaph. Mashalamiah's sons were Zechariah the firstborn, Jadael the second, Zebediah the third, Jathniel the fourth, Elam the fifth, Johohonan the sixth, Elihonai the seventh. Also for Korah's descendants there were Obed-Edom's son, Shemaiah the firstborn, Jehozabad the second, Joah the third, Sakar the fourth, Nathanol the fifth, Amiel the sixth, Issachar the seventh, Puleth eighth. And God blessed Odom-Edom. His son Shemaiah had sons who ruled their families because they were soldiers. Shemaiah's sons were Othni, and Othni's skilled brothers Raphael, Obed, Elazabad, as well as Elihu and Shemekiah. All of these people were Obed-Edom's descendants. They, their sons, and their relatives were skilled and had the ability to perform the service. Obed-Edom's family included 62 men. 
Michelle and Maya's sons and relatives were 18 skilled men. From the descendants of Merari, they were Hosa's sons. Shimri was the head, although he was not the firstborn. His father appointed him head. Hosa's other sons were Hilkiah, the second, Tabaliah, the third, and Zachariah, the fourth. There were 13 sons and relatives of Hosa. These divisions of gatekeepers through their headmen were assigned duties with their relatives to serve in the Lord's temple. They drew lots by families, youngest and oldest alike, for every gate. Shelemiah was chosen for the east side. His son Zechariah, a counsellor who displayed insight, was chosen for the north side. Obed-Edom was chosen for the south side, and his sons were chosen for the storerooms. Shupam and Hosa were chosen for the west side, with Shelaketh gate at the gateway that goes to the palace. One squad of guards served its wash after another. On the east side there were six Levites. On the north there were four every day. On the south there were four every day. At the storerooms there were four, two on each entrance. At the courtyards on the west there were four Levites on the gateway to the palace and two at the courtyard itself. These were the divisions of the gatekeepers among Korah's and Merari's descendants. Ahijah, a Levite, was in charge of the treasuries in God's temple and the treasuries of the gifts dedicated to God. There were also the descendants of Laden, who were descended from Gershon. Those who served for Laden, the descendants of Gershon, were the heads of Laden's families, Jehiel and Jehiel's sons Zetham and Joel. They were in charge of the treasuries in the Lord's temple. For the descendants of Amram, Ezer, Hebron and Uziel, there were Shebiel, a descendant of Moses' son Gershom. He was the highest-ranking official in charge of the treasuries. From his relatives on Eliezer's side of the family was Shelemeth. Eliezer's son was Rehabiah. His grandson was Jeshiah. His great-grandson was Joram. Joram's son was Zikri. His father's son was Shelemeth. He and his relatives were in charge of all the treasuries of the gifts dedicated to God at King David, the head of the families, the commanders of the regiments and battalions, and the commanders of the army had donated. They had donated some of the loot taken in battle to support the Lord's temple. Everything that Samuel the seer, Saul son of Kish, Abner son of Ner, and Joab son of Zeruiah had donated, everything that had been donated was under the supervision of Shelemeth and his relatives. From Izar's descendants, Chenaniah and his sons were assigned duties. They served as officials and judges outside the temple of Israel. From Hebron's descendants, Hashabiah and his 1,700 skilled male relatives were appointed to serve Israel west of the Jordan River. They did everything the Lord wanted them to do and they served the king. Jeriah was the head of Hebron's descendants. In the 40th year of David's reign, the ancestry of Hedron's descendants were researched family by family. Warriors from these families were found at Jazar and Gilead. Jeriah's relatives were 2,700 skilled men who were heads of families. King David appointed them to be overseers in every matter involving God or the king for the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. This is the list of Israelite family heads, regiment and battalion commanders, and officers who were serving the king in all of the army's units. Throughout each year they came for a month at a time and then left. Each unit consisted of 24,000 men. Joshua Baim, son of Zabdiel, was in charge of the first unit. 
the one during the first month. In his unit there were 24,000. He was a descendant of Perez, and he was head of all the army officers for the first month. Dodai, Aho's descendant, was in charge of the unit during the second month. It was his unit. Mikloth was one of its leaders. In Dodai's unit there were 24,000. The third commander of the army during the third month was Benaiah, son of the priest Jehoiada. He was the head, and in his unit there were 24,000. This Benaiah was one of the thirty fighting men and commander of the thirty as well of his own unit. His son was Amezabad. Asahel, Job's brother, was in charge of the fourth unit during the fourth month, and after him was his son Zebediah. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. Shamhuth, Israel's descendant, was commander of the fifth unit during the fifth month. In his unit were twenty-four thousand. Ira, the son of Irkesh from Tekoa, was in charge of the sixth unit during the sixth month. In his unit were twenty-four thousand. Helez, a Palonite from the descendants of Ephraim, was in charge of the seventh unit during the seventh month. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. Sibakai, a descendant of Zerah from Husha, was in charge of the eighth unit during the eighth month. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. Abiezer, a member of the tribe of Benjamin from Anathoth, was in charge of the ninth unit during the ninth month. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. Mare, a descendant of Zerah from Netapha, was in charge of the tenth unit during the tenth month. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. Benaiah, a member of the tribe of Ephraim from Pirathon, was in charge of the eleventh unit during the eleventh month. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. During the twelfth month, the twelfth unit was commanded by Haldai from Netapha. He was Othniel's descendant. In his unit there were twenty-four thousand. The following officers were in charge of the tribes of Israel. For the tribe of Reuben, Eleazar, son of Zikri. For the tribe of Simeon, Shephatiah, the son of Makar. For the tribe of Levi, Hashbiah, the son of Kemuel. For the family of Aaron, Zadok. For the tribe of Judah, Elihu, one of David's brothers. For the tribe of Issachar, Omri, son of Michael. For the tribe of Zebulun, Ishmael, son of Obadiah. For the tribe of Naphtali, Jeremoth, son of Azrael. For the tribe of Ephraim, Hushiah, son of Azaziah. For the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joel, son of Padiah. For the half-tribe of Manasseh and Gilead, Edo, son of Zechariah. For the tribe of Benjamin, Jaasiel, son of Abner. For the tribe of Dan, Azarel, son of Jorahim. These were the commanders of Israel's tribe. David didn't count those under twenty years old because the Lord had promised that the people of Israel would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Joab, son of Zariah, started to count them but didn't finish. God was angry with Israel because of this, and the report from it was never included in the official records of King David. These were all the commanders in charge of King David's properties. For the royal treasuries, Asmaveth, son of Adiel. For the goods of the fields, city, villages, and watchtowers, Jonathan, son of Isaiah. For the farm workers in the field, Ezri, son of Chaleb. For the vineyards, Shemai of Ramah. For storing wine that came from the vineyards, Zabdi, from Shepham. For the olives and fig trees in the foothills, Baal Hanan, from Gedor. 
for storing olive oil, Joash. For the herds grazing at Sharon, Shitri from Sharon, for the herds of the valleys, Shaphat of Adlai. For the camels, Obal, a descendant of Ishmael. For the donkeys, Jediah from Moranath. For the flocks, Jazzes from Hagar. David's uncle Jonathan, an educated man who possessed insight, was David's advisor. Jonathan and Jehiel, son of Hachmoni, were in charge of the king's sons. Ahithophel was the king's advisor. Hushai, a descendant of Archi, was the king's friend. Jehoiada, son of Benaiah, and Abiathar succeeded Ahithophel. Joab was the commander of the royal armies. David held a meeting in Jerusalem for all the leaders of Israel, the leaders of the tribes, the leaders of the army units that served the king, the commanders of regiments and battalions, the officials in charge of all the property and livestock belonging to the king and his sons, the palace officials, the soldiers, and the fighting men. David stood in front of them and said, Listen to me, my relatives and my subjects. I had my heart sent on building the temple where the ark of the Lord's promise could be placed. This temple would be the stool for our God's feet, and I had made preparations to build it. But God told me, You must not build the temple for my name. You have fought wars and caused bloodshed. Yet from my entire family the Lord God of Israel chose me to be the king of Israel permanently. He had chosen the tribe of Judah to lead Israel. From the families of Judah he chose my father's family. From my father's sons he was pleased to make me king of all Israel. And of all my sons, the Lord has given me many sons, he chose my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the Lord's kingdom to rule Israel. He told me, your son Solomon will build my temple and my courtyards because I have chosen him to be my son. I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he will remain determined to obey my commands and laws as he is doing today. Now, leaders, I order you in the sight of Israel, the Lord's congregation, and as our God listens, to dedicate your lives to doing everything the Lord your God has commanded. Then you will be able to possess this good land and leave it as an inheritance to your descendants. And you, my son Solomon, learn how to know your father's God. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly and willingly because he searches every heart and understands every thought we have. If you dedicate your life to serving him, he will accept you. But if you abandon him, he will reject you from then on. So be careful, because the Lord has chosen you to build the temple as his holy place. Be strong and do it. Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the entrance hall and the temples, its storerooms, upper rooms, inner rooms, and the room for the throne of mercy. He gave him plans for the courtyards of the Lord's temple and for all the rooms around it. These rooms served as treasuries for God's temple and the gifts dedicated to God. He determined the divisions of priests and Levites. He planned all the work done for worship in the Lord's temple. He designed all the utensils for worship in the Lord's temple. David specified the weight of gold to be used for each of the utensils of worship, the weight of the gold lampstands and their gold lamps, that is, the weight of gold for each lampstand and its lamps, the weight of silver for each silver lampstand and its lamps, according to the use of each lamp stand for worship, the weight of gold for each table with rows of bread, and silver for the silver tables, the pure gold for the forks, bowls, and pitchers, the weight of each gold bowl, the weight of each silver bowl, and the refined gold for the altar of incense. 
He also gave Solomon the plans for the chariot, that is, the gold angels with their wings spread to cover the ark of the Lord's promise. David said, All this was written for me by the Lord's hand. He made all the details of the plan clear to me. David also told his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or terrified. The Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not abandon you before all the work of the Lord's temple is finished. Here are also the divisions of the priests and Levites for every type of worship in God's temple. You have with you every skilled worker to do all the work. In addition, all the leaders and people are at your command. Titus 2 Tell believers to live the kind of life that goes along with accurate teachings. Tell older men to be sober. Tell them to be men of good character, to use good judgment, and to be well grounded in faith, love, and endurance. Tell older women to live their lives in a way that shows they are dedicated to God. Tell them not to be gossips or addicted to alcohol, but to be examples of virtue. In this way they will teach young women to show love to their husbands and children, to use good judgment and to be morally pure. Also, tell them to teach young women to be homemakers, to be kind, and to place themselves under their husband's authority. Then no one can speak evil of God's word. Encourage young men to use good judgment. Always set an example by doing good things. When you teach, be an example of moral purity and dignity. Speak an accurate message that cannot be condemned. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed because they cannot say anything bad about us. Tell slaves who are believers to place themselves under their master's authority in everything they do. Tell them to please their masters, not to argue with them or steal from them. Instead, tell slaves to show their masters how good and completely loyal they can be. Then they will show the beauty of the teachings about God our Savior in everything they do. After all, God's saving kindness has appeared for the benefit of all people. It trains us to avoid ungodly lives filled with earthly desires so that we can live self-controlled, moral, and godly lives in this present world. At the same time, we can expect what we home for. The appearance of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to set us free from every sin and to cleanse us so that we can be his special people who are enthusiastic about doing good things. Tell these things to the believers. Encourage and correct them using your full authority. Don't let anyone ignore you. If you're wondering what's happened to our psalm for the day, um, and one of the reasons why we've had lots and lots and lots of Old Testament today, is because tomorrow we get, we're going to dive headfirst into that most amazing of psalms, the 119th psalm. It's also the longest, so we're dedicating an entire episode to it. But we're going to have a second piece of music just to give us some time to think about the bits of scripture that have caught our attention. And after music, we'll say our prayers for the day and the time of the year.
Just a reminder that if you'd like us to pray with you, then drop us a line through the usual channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Check the show notes for all the contact details and the links. They're all there. Um, and I really want to say thank you to everyone who has prayed for my brother. Um, he had his surgery last night after much hassle. Um, and the pictures of him that I've seen make him look considerably happier than he was the day before. So I appreciate all your prayers and your thoughts. But let's pray, shall we? Lord our God, light of humankind in Jesus Christ, full of joy and trust, we ask that we may have access to your almighty power, your power against all darkness, sin and death. May we feel close to you. Father, hear our weeping, for we are and remain your children, to whom you've promised redemption and deliverance. Together we hold fast this promise and stand before you, saying, We are your children in Jesus Christ the Saviour, whom you've sent to us. Father, hear your children. Bless us, each one, and bless us as one people allowed to serve you in the misery of our world. Amen. And our prayer for the time of the year. Lord, your forgiveness is total. No notebook, tape recorder or post-it net to remind us of that moment when you take our confession, offered with hands outstretched and gently, like the loving Heavenly Father that you are. Put it to one side, to be forgotten. No grudges, no itching for judgment, no resentment or ill will. Not like us who find it easy to say sorry, but so hard to forgive, absolutely. Forgive us, Father, that we are more willing to accept forgiveness than to forgive more willing to accept your love than to share it with those who have hurt us. Teach us, Lord, to forgive as you forgave. We say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us and remain with us, now and forever. Go in peace, to love and serve the Lord.